Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them about what they are doing game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, and thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with designer Jason Matthews. Hello. Jason, Harold, how are you? Good, Harold, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking the time and, and taking the call. I have a couple of ground rules I wanted to lay out and then just let you talk about what you've been doing, what you're thinking about gaming-wise. Awesome. So uh, ground rules are this, no medical discussions, no political discussions, which I know is hard from where you sit in D.C., <laughs> and then uh, no financial, uh, no discussion of financial markets. Well, those two things are tied lately, so I'm good. Yes, good. Well, uh, so what's going on? I uh, I saw Imperial Struggle went to the printer. Yeah, uh, it it you might get the impression that I have been a flurry of productivity, but that would be kind of a lie. Uh, what has happened instead is things that I have been working on for well, in the case of Imperial Struggle, over a decade and. Um, and in the in the case of a number of other games, uh, for two or three years, are finally all coming to fruition at the same year. So, um, ordinarily, I'm lucky if I produce a game every every other year. And by the end of this year, I might have three three done, plus a bunch of things coming back into print. So that's it. It looks like I'm much less of a slacker than I am. <laughs> I like to see it as acceleration. <laughs> That's right. I am absolutely accelerating. So what uh what what excites you the most for Imperial Struggle? Um what I love about that design and and I really um can only you know tip my hat to Ananda because the way that design worked is a kind of a weird story. We after Twilight Struggle came out and we hunted around for a bit about doing something together again, um, Ananda had kind of changed career fields. We had both been in sort of public policy when we met. And um, he had gotten involved in computer game design basically through his work on Twilight Struggle, first over with Ed Beach and uh, his team, um, over there and then uh, later with another company. So the problem with the other company is that they had very, very rigid intellectual property rules. So basically any passing thought that went through Ananda's mind uh, was became their intellectual property. And that even extended to ideas he had about board games. So we had to put the whole design of an imperial struggle on ice for a very, very long time. And by the time that uh, he, or that we were able to move on with it, he'd moved out back to Los Angeles 
And um, so our collaboration, it was hard to continue our collaboration in the ways that we had done it before. So he really has taken what was a rudimentary design and and brought it to fruition. So, I, you know, I have to give all the credit uh, for that to him. But what I love most about Imperial Struggle is the fact that we're trying to do something that I don't really think has been done terribly well in a war game before, which is to say we're trying to we're trying to really capture what limited war was all about that that kind of swapping back and forth of territories that accumulation of of uh, victories on the battlefield and how they relate to victories in the in the negotiation and the diplomatic element of warfare normally in a war game you you're driving towards some victory points and and when you get that those victory points it's over you've won in this game we because of the scale and scope of it we illustrate that how all of these wars sort of interrelate and how one builds upon the other and how um a victory maybe only a very temporary thing and 10 years later you're back at war and you're swapping provinces again it's interesting the um, you know the different phases of the game and the interphase and how all that works as well i i uh i can't wait to get my hands on the final copy i was able to play a few uh play uh, some early copies um and and um you know i'm a simpleton so your your answer is much more sophisticated than mine but I love the the fact that it starts off with various chits that in my mind represent a chest of gold from a from the king. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? I mean just some perspective, some 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 approval from the king to take certain actions and uh you can go the, a number of different routes and I I think that's a very interesting way to start a player's turn is the is is the selection of multiple sets of opportunities and and what's the right mix for what you want to accomplish i i do think that that is really an interesting novelty as well and and because of that open-ended um beginning it'll be a very long time until we kind of reach optimal play in this game because people will be exploring openings for a long time yes absolutely so what's next well, right now I am playtesting Twilight Struggle Red Sea um, daily, tweaking cards with uh, my developer daily, and um, I'm grateful for kind of a relaxed work schedule so I can get as much of that done as humanly possible. So it might be a, we might be able to get this out to publication by the end of the year. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased with where it is. I enjoy playing the game, which I take as my own rule of thumb for when a game is good. If, if I don't think it's fun, then it's not fun. And, um, I've gotten it to the point where I think it's fun. So where did, where did that start? What was the genesis of that idea? 
Um, well, the, the real story of it um, had to do with a project that came to GMT. And um, the, the project was for an expansion for Twilight Struggle. And GMT, in their usual polite way, um, showed it to Ananda and I. And I don't, I don't really think GMT had reviewed it all that carefully, but they were gung-ho about getting out another Twilight Struggle expansion. Sure. And when I looked at it, I was like, um, these cards are have very major impacts in the game, and I don't really have a lot of confidence that they have been playtested to see how they disrupt the existing game. And we actually have more people who are purists than anything else in Twilight Struggle. Like they, I'm not saying the game is perfect, but they imagine it is, so they don't really like a lot of uh, disruption. So, um, but rather being rather than being like no 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 you can't you can't do anything to twilight struggle i thought i have always thought well it would be nice if there was a way either we had an introductory scenario or we had a way to like teach new players especially since it uh, because of its notoriety on board game geek there are a lot of euro gamers who you know kind of want to try it but they're intimidated by the by the nature of a war game and by the fact that it's two or three hours long, which is a little longer than a lot of the games that they've experienced. So, um, it, it, through these various iterations where we've done expansions, um, I, I've known for a while that we kind of just flubbed the Red Sea, the, the conflict in the Horn of Af Africa at the end of the Cold War. There's no card on it. We didn't, we didn't really acknowledge it. And so it was a little missing piece of history. And I thought, well, why don't we why don't we do a mini game? You know, make it something short and sweet so it could fit this new lunchtime series that GMT is uh, is working on. And it'll serve a dual purpose. It'll kind of feed the beast and uh, provide Twilight Struggle fans with some new cards that they can play with and a new scenario that they can utilize. And at the same time, it'll be something that fans can use to like show their spouse or show their kids or show someone who's interested in Twilight Struggle but who may not want to commit to the full two-hour experience. And you can get them up to speed on how the game works. And then if they like it, then you can try the full game. It's a great idea. I, uh, I like it. I, I'm, I'm one of the purists. I, uh, I don't want you to mess with my Twilight Struggle. Right, and and they're more. I I, th I feel like most of the fan, most of the fandom is in that camp, um, so it's better for them for us to give you something else rather than play with the base game. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, looking forward to playing that. Well, I'm looking forward to it too, since I'll probably be doing it five or six times this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, and and I understand the the angst playing a game so many times. So if you can, if you can still enjoy it after beating it to death over and over and over, that's a great sign. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So that's 
That's two games. What else? Uh, so I have two more things, one of which I have a working prototype of and the other one I'm finishing. Um, the working prototype is of a card-driven game about the um, treason trial of Aaron Burr. Uh, there was a, um, a really excellent game by Victory Point Games' uh, Al Berry called High Treason. And it was, it is on a very interesting but obscure piece of history so far as Americans are concerned. It was uh, the Real Rebellions in Canada. Um, there, was, uh, there was a successful rebellion of sort of half Indian, half uh, French uh, citizens in Canada. I, I say citizens, they, the, the source of the rebellion was that they were sort of left in hiatus because they were neither Native Americans nor were they um, European descended colonists. And because of this legal hiatus, that group of people was very upset at the Canadian government and they revolted. Well, the first revolt was a success, actually. Uh, and But the second revolt, uh, the Canadian government had managed to build the um, Canadian National Rail Line and was able to ferry troops out and stamp out the rebellion and capture Louis Riel. And then he was tried for treason. So um, the success of that design made me realize I really, you know, there aren't a lot of great courtroom simulations. They're games kind of about court. They're kind of Monopoly-like games in a court with a court theme, but not anything that takes the process of convincing a jury um, terribly seriously. And Al's game does do that. But um, it relies on some peculiarities of Canadian law that don't translate very well to American trials. So I had to rework a lot of the mechanisms, but that was the source of the inspiration. Uh, And, of course, the story of um, Aaron Burr and his attempt to build a little empire out of the new Louisiana Purchase is super fascinating anyway it's it's great history um that most people are unaware of now that they've seen the play hamilton they they know a lot more about aaron burr but what's crazy is what happens after he shoots hamilton is if anything more interesting than what he did in that play i was talking to somebody else about the uh about the barry game from victory point games and um the fact that it was such an interesting simulation of what happens in the courtroom including starting with uh, jury selection or something, right? Yeah, the voir dire mechanism in that game is one of the most, it's definitely, I think, maybe the most fun part of that game. Um, and it, it works so well in that game because um, you have the the binary problem of English speakers and French speakers and then people who are farmers and businessmen and government workers Um uh, it it makes for a very interesting decision process in that uh, in, in Al's game. Al is also an attorney, so um, so it's not that surprising that he built a good game around uh, a court case. Well, you've got your hands full then with those three games. 
Have you been playing anything that isn't uh, isn't in design or or in development? I I I think it's very important for good, for designers to try and play as much of other people's stuff as humanly possible, so you can absorb the changes in the state of the art. Um, and right now. I just finished the rules for something I'm excited to play. It's a very, very strange game, and you should look at it because I know you, your tastes run a little weird yourself. But um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's from Clickerspiel, which is a German, like a, a boutique uh, German game publisher. And it's called, uh, I think it's 1806, The Battle of Nations. It's a, it's a Battle of Leipzig simulation. But um, it's not a classical war game. It's like a tile placement war game. <laughs> and it's nutty, but I'm, I'm excited to see if it works. That's, uh, that's interesting. There's, uh, you know, we're dancing all around the edges of what we used to call war games 20 and 30 years ago. And and I love it. I love the fact that um, you know there's all sorts of applications now, from uh, oh, trying to think. David Thompson's game, the um, the Undaunted uh, game. Oh yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, uh, which which is fantastic. Uh, but if you believe that a war game has to be hexes, um and chits then you know that it's hard for you to get there i so i have a i have uh, a lot of um blasphemous opinions about wargaming in general but um one of them is that when i was a baby in the hobby and i started out um thanks to my father buying me Axis and Allies when I was a kid. And then I, you know, kind of chanced upon Avalon Hill. Actually, the next thing I found was miniatures, and I did Napoleonic miniatures for a long time. And then I found Avalon Hill and SBI as they were kind of dying out and the rest of it. Um, but in that time, because role-playing games were the dominant force in the hobby, um that's who we defined ourselves against. If you were a war gamer, that meant you were basically a board gamer. Anything that wasn't a role-playing game was in your wheelhouse. No one said, no one ever said, is civilization a war game? Is diplomacy a war game? Is uh, Pax Britannica a war game? No, no one asked those questions. What they sure as hell weren't was a role-playing game, so you're on our team. And... So people, and that's why I think that that term consim is so much more useful than war game in the first place. Um, but uh, as Eurogaming has entered into um, kind of our part of the hobby, war gamers seem intent on defining themselves against that rather than you know role playing or or CCGs or whatever. And so now. If anything, the definition of what is a war game has gotten more narrow amongst war gamers than it was when I entered the hobby, which when it was looser. That's that's a terrific observation on the history of it. I love it. 
for me, I've got no time for that debate. I, I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And as you said, the broader we can define it, the better. Because my experience is every time I hear that argument, it's an exclusionary argument. Absolutely. And, and That's it, all it's meant to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Push somebody else off your island. Right. Uh, and and since I myself am always interested, uh, my taste in history and my taste in games are similar. Like I like obscure history. I like games that cover obscure history. Um, so they tend to be a little bit off. The designs tend to be a little bit off the beaten path anyway. So uh, that's why for me, I, I'm with you. This I have no tolerance for trying to say this new design, which is trying a new mechanism and is overturning convention, can't possibly be part of our hobby. I want it to be part of our hobby. Absolutely. No, we should be we should be grabbing turf. Right. Well, Jason, that's a great place uh, to conclude. I I appreciate you taking the time. So good to talk to you in this fashion. And uh, let me just wish you and your family good health and good times through this this time of challenge. Absolutely, sir. I appreciate it very much. I'm uh, waiting eagerly on my daughter's return from college this evening, so uh, I'll be picking her up in the airport later. Ah, good, good for you. <laughs> well, um, Jason, great talking to you, and I hope we can do it again sometime soon. Me too. Thanks so much, Harold. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.